So, some of you actually showed up early today, and uh, it was radically different, quite frankly, at 8 o'clock. There was at 10 till 8, and people were all over the room talking with one another. It was like weird, and hopefully a different experience for you this morning as we simply last week kicked off this series for the month of January called The Whole Enchilada, and in a word, the whole enchilada is what? Yeah, the whole enchilada is love. We introduced this week this, this love triangle, and maybe you remember. Can you say it with me? Love is the greatest, above all, beyond all, most excellent way. And those are the expressions of Scripture. We didn't just come up with those. These are the expressions of Scripture in relation to other very, very important realities and values in our faith. In fact, these expressions are in relation to other things in Scripture. This is a quick summary of last week if you weren't here. Love is the greatest in relation to faith and hope. Love is above all, in 1 Peter 4, prayer, sound judgment, and sober spirit. Love is beyond all, in Colossians chapter 3, all compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and forbearing with one another and forgiveness. And love is the most excellent way in relation to every spiritual gift that God gives to his children. It is the whole enchilada. And we have started with this in 2018 simply so that we would be focused on that which the whole enchilada is an expression of the entirety of something. That we would be committed to love. And I genuinely hope it looked a little different in, a little different in your marriage this past week or in your parenting or at work that you, you thought and acted on the thought above all love today, beyond all love today. Love is the greatest, the most excellent way. It is the whole enchilada. Therefore, when we understand that, you know where the most loving place on the planet should be? Wherever the people of God are gathered. That ought to be the most loving place, wherever the people of God are gathered. That's why we talked very practically last week, five expressions of what it would mean for us to genuinely, practically love one another in our gatherings. Those five expressions in our gatherings was first, the arrival time. That we said, let's give ourselves to leave earlier so that we can arrive 15 minutes earlier than we have been arriving. That just doesn't happen. That means I got to leave home 15 minutes earlier. Some of you did that this morning, and I want to go kudos to thinking in that regard. Some of you forgot and went, oh, man, okay, well, it's just for January anyway. No. <laughs> Our goal... Listen, our goal is to change a 30-plus-year culture at Christian Family Chapel. That's no small task. To change a culture of showing up late because showing up late is not loving to one another. 
showing up actually before the service begins is an opportunity. It's the minutes to actually connect with one another so that we can love one another. So you may have missed it this week. Culture may have kept you where you left when you always did. This morning I'm asking you, set a reminder. Think about it. Talk about it as a couple. Talk about it as a family. Talk about it with your friends. We're going to leave home 15 minutes early. We're going to change a culture at CFC. We're not doing a month experiment, okay? Because love is the greatest above all, beyond all, most excellent way. It arrives early. And then when you choose a seat, you choose a seat with community as the greatest commitment, not just convenience. Hope when you walked in, you went, who who am I going to sit with? Not just where am I going to sit, who am I going to sit with? And part of choosing that seat is looking out for strangers and then participating in uh, uh, the service. What we discovered in first hour this morning, phenomenal. Because folks were here early, they actually sang the first song. There wasn't this. It makes a difference. When you get here actually makes a difference in your participation. So to participate and then finally to receive prayer. Uh, Matt was really burdened, Matt Collins, really burdened last week to say, what can we do within the service even as that regards? And so his commitment to pray for you because I know, I know what I bring into a service. I know we put on the, the happy face and the smile. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing spiritual about being Eeyore in the congregation. But to recognize we're carrying weights, burdens of all sorts. And not just walk in with them and walk out with them, but to literally take time in the service as he did to say, Lord, you've invited me. Cast my cares upon you for you care for me. So hopefully that was a ministering time to you as you trusted the Lord to carry your burdens. So this morning, that's all from last week. This morning, we want to answer this very simple question. Love because. Love is the greatest above all, beyond all, most excellent way. Because why? Well, the text tells us very clearly, love because this. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, turn with me to 1 John, not the gospel of John, but the first of his three letters, 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to look at a few verses together in 1 John chapter 4. So turn to 1 John chapter 4, and then find verse 7, that's where we're going to start. 1 John 4, 7, and we're going to, as we read these verses, don't just look at the words, don't just listen to the words, ask yourself this question, love because, and complete the sentence, love because this, love because this, love because this. You're going to see at least three love because in the verses we're about to read. Look for them as I read them for us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live, how? 
through him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides where? In us. And his love is perfected where? In us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So let's stop right there. And let's answer the question. Love because what? Love is the greatest above all, beyond all, most excellent way because God, what's first? Because God is love. That's what our first two verses have told us. Because God is love. It's who he is. But, don't misunderstand, it's not all that he is. Not to take anything away from the fact that God is love, but we have to understand that he is love, but he is not only love. And I bring that to our attention very quickly because all sorts of false accusations and anger and clenched fist are towards God because people go, well, God's love, then why is that happening? Because they think God is love and God is only love. Is God love? Yes, it says it. God is love. But the text also, the scriptures also tell us that God is holy and God is righteous and God is just, and God is good, and God is patient, and God is wise, and God is jealous, and God is unchanging. Is he love? Yeah, is he these things? Yes. He is, catch this, he is all of these, all the time. So in other words, at the same time. He is all of these, you don't have to write all these things down. I just picked some. I picked the, the, the amount I could get on the screen. There's lots more than that. God is all of these and more all the time. Here's the kicker. Perfectly. You see, sometimes because we're finite and God is infinite, because we're finite, we only understand what it means to be loving. And then we take our loving hat off and then we have to be just. And then we take our just hat off, and then we have to be righteous. But God never takes one hat off and puts another hat on. He wears all the hats all the time perfectly. We have to understand that God is able to be and to do what we're not able to be and do. He is all of these all the time perfectly. If you miss that, You get a radically perverted, twisted perception of God that leads to lots of accusations against him. Is he love? Yes. He's loving in his righteousness. He's loving in his justice. He's loving in his goodness. He's loving in his wisdom. He's loving. He is all of those all the time perfectly. Therefore, all that he does 
he does it in love. All that he does in his justice, he does in love. All that he does in his patience, he does in love. And he does it in wisdom. And he does it in holiness. He does all these things all the time perfectly. All that he does, he does in love. Folks, that is such a great reality. It is the foundational truth that leads to the scripture. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. This is one of the most powerful promises in all of scripture. In my own estimation. Do you believe that? Not, not cliche, you genuinely believe that. You see, it makes a difference in how you engage life in a fallen world. Because Wednesday, I got to do something that I don't normally do. I planned a funeral with a man who is still living. He's a doctor, and the doctors have been very clear to him. The cancer that has been in your body for years now is about to end your life. And he said, I'd just rather, let's plan it together. So he, he talked to me at the Christmas Eve service. He said, New Year, can we, can we come by? Maybe come by and let's plan the funeral. And, and I got to tell you, folks, he wasn't down. He wasn't depressed. It, it, was, it was one of the most unusual blessings I've ever experienced because he genuinely believe this. In fact, he said to me, everybody tells me, man, you've been in this battle with cancer. He said, I am not battling cancer. I said, I, tell me what you mean by that. <coughs> he said, I, I determined on the day I was diagnosed, God could have stopped this, and he didn't. So I wasn't battling it. It was what God chose to bring into my life. Why would I battle what God had chosen to bring into my life? Rather, I saw this as a unique opportunity and platform to share my faith. And you know what's happened? The doctors have been telling him for quite a while now, you're not going to live much longer. You're not going to live much longer. You're not going to live much longer. And he keeps living longer. So I, I, I went, we went and planned the funeral, but can I tell you a little secret? We did it two years ago, too. <laughs> when Dick's Wings was still Dick's Wings, I sat there and planned his funeral. And we, we did it again two years later because what happens is God, it seems as if God goes, wow, most people fight this platform. You're making the most of it. I think I'll keep it going. <laughs> now, I'm not, I'm not making light of it. His days are hard. He, he kind of worked himself up all day and then would have to rest all day for that hour sitting at his kitchen table. But if I could sit at your kitchen table with as much joy in your heart with the life that God had given you, with that guy, 
who wasn't battling cancer. He was just living the platform that God had given him. He just said, I've, I've believed all along. I'm not dead, so God's not done. God's still got more work to do. And I'm excited about that. I have more people to talk to, more doctors to share with. He's genuinely confident in the reality of the love of God for him. God is love. That's just not something to put on a poster. That's something that impacts your days or has the power to. If you simply say, not a cliche, you get up tomorrow morning and go, God, whatever comes my way today, you love me. You love me. All that you do, you love me. You're working for good. It's who you are. It's what you do. What a phenomenal way to live life. Does that not encourage you? You don't look that encouraged. I was super, super blessed. I should assign you to go sit at this table. Because I'm serious. I was so blessed to be able to engage a faith that was not sunk by pain and cancer, but a faith that was buoyed by love. God is love. And he's not only love, the scripture says we love because he is love and we love because he first loved us. He is love, verse 7 and 8. He first loved us, verses 9 and 10. Look specifically at 10. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And then we'll look closely in a moment. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, it doesn't say exactly there, he first loved us. But did he? Did he first love us? How do I know? It doesn't say it exactly that in verse 10. How do I know he first loved us? (laughs) Okay, look at verse 19. Huh. What's it say there? (laughs) We love because he first loved us. So I wasn't that insightful after all. It was simply what the scripture says. This is like the answer to the sermon. We love because he first loved us. And why did he first love us? You already wrote it down. Why did he first love us? Because he is love. See, it all fits together. How did he first love us? How did he first love you? Well, the text tells us three very specific ways he first loved us. First, he loved us in that the Father sent the Son in love. Verse 10, he loved us and sent his Son. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. It is the sending of the Son that demonstrates that the Father first loved us. Then, not only did the Father send his Son in love, the Son became sin for us 
in love. The Father sent the Son because he is love and he first loved. And then the Son became sin for us. Verse 10, uh, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be, and now this is the, the propitiation for our sins. How many of you, if you were not reading your Bible or doing a the, having a theological conversation, how many of you spoke about pre- propitiation in the last six months? Yeah, probably very few. That's not a word we generally throw around, propitiation. So what does that word mean? It simply means the appeasing of God's wrath. Is God love? Yes or no? Yes. Is he holy? Yes, yes, he is holy. And because God is holy and we have sinned, what do we deserve? We deserve the wrath of God. Now watch. We deserve the wrath of God because of our sin. And God, because he is holy, cannot simply go, well, let's just forget it. His wrath had to be satisfied. And the propitiation is the satisfying, the appeasing of God's wrath. How How was his wrath satisfied? Well, let's go back. Verse 10, if you put the definition into the verse, he loved us and sent his son to, the, to be the appeasement or the satisfaction of his wrath because of our sins. The wrath was because of our sin. How was it appeased? How was it satisfied? How? Through his Son, that's why the Father sent the Son, so that his wrath could be satisfied. Some of you know the name Don Richardson because his son, Steve, was our missions conference speaker last year. When Don was a young man married with just a very young child, Steve, when Steve was a baby... They determined by God's calling that they were going to seek to make contact for the sake of the gospel with a cannibalistic tribe in what was then known as Irian Jaya. And I've often, with greatest respect, thought not just of Don going into a cannibalistic tribe, I've thought of greatest respect for his wife, Carol. Because I genuinely wonder how many wives and young moms are really willing to allow their little baby boy to be paddled in by dugout canoe to a cannibalistic tribe. Not many, right? If you're that young mom and you have an oar, you're going to probably do something with it other than paddle in. Like whack your husband. But she, her husband, little Steve, go in, and they discover that they're not only among a cannibalistic tribe, they're among a cannibalistic tribe that are warring with other cannibalistic tribes around them, and their greatest virtue is treachery, meaning the most heroic, honorable thing you could do as part of that tribe is convince one of your enemies 
that you're really his friend so that he would trust you and by trusting you, he could invite you over to dinner, if you know what I mean. And you would go and then he would kill you and eat you with the great celebration of treachery. So, they're warring, they're killing, they're eating one another. And Don Richardson begins to share the gospel with them, not recognizing, not knowing the culture fully by any means. And so he finally gets to the place where he gets to share the reason he's there, that God loved them and that he had sent his son, Jesus, to pay the penalty to die on the cross for them. And they hear the story and they are ecstatic. They absolutely love it. Except not because of Jesus, but because of Judas. Judas becomes their gospel hero. Treachery. Jesus was the sucker. Now, I've driven home from the chapel sometimes discouraged. I can't imagine that night him going home going, how'd it go, babe? Judas is the hero. Jesus is the sucker. Talking about wanting to go, God, what are you doing? Totally unsure how to proceed. An event happens in their front yard, backyard, whatever you want to call it, between two of the warring tribes that changes forever their understanding of the gospel. Because what happens in that front yard, backyard is these two warring tribes and the warriors come together with both of their chiefs except one chief has with him his little baby boy. And he takes his own little baby boy and he gives it to his enemy. And in giving his son to the enemy, this tribe can no longer be at war with this tribe. There is now peace purchased for the two tribes by the peace child. God had written the gospel right into their culture. And what he realized was, though treachery was their greatest value, the greater was the peace child. Except who does that? And Don Richardson was able to simply unfold before them. Jesus is your peace child. God has sent his son to bring peace between enemies. And the gospel was born. And the church exists there to this day. Now, I tell you that story for this reason. 
I know God sent his son. But that seems a little far off and distant. But there's something powerfully impactful about the thought of a a real human dad saying, enough. Enough fighting, enough killing, enough war. I am willing to take my son and offer my son to buy peace. I have a greater sense of, as a human dad, from that story of what my heavenly father and what his son, our savior, has done for us. That Jesus is our peace child. That he is the propitiation. See, he satisfied the wrath that was due. Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God. How? Through him. God is love. It's not just theoretical. It makes a difference how you live and respond in a fallen world. We've shared that. God is love, and he has demonstrated his love, that he is love, because he first loved you, and he loved you by not ignoring his wrath, by satisfying his wrath through the sending of his son, his son satisfying my wrath, your wrath. I can only hope that the hearing of it again this morning will cause you to be a little more grateful, to appreciate maybe just a little more that God loves you, that he could not love you more. He couldn't. He could not love you more. He loves you Demonstrated by sending his son to become sin so that his wrath that you and I deserve would be satisfied through him. And the Spirit is perfecting us in love. The Father sent his son in love. The son became sin for us in love. And the Spirit is perfecting us in love. Go to verse 12. No one's seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Who in here loves perfectly? Other than Tony, the most loving man in all the world. Who loves, who loves perfectly? <laughs> we don't, right? Are you growing in love? That's the question. We don't love perfectly, but are you more loving this year than you were last year? Toward your husband? Towards your coworkers? Towards your neighbors? Do you, do you love more because the, the Spirit is perfecting you in love? His love increasingly being 
revealed in your life. That's the Spirit's work. He who began a good work in you is perfecting it to the day of Christ Jesus. We're to be growing in love. And we're to be growing in love for this very, very specific reason. Because God abides where? In us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Question, very important. Why did God send his spirit to us? The scripture tells us. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. Can you begin to put this together? Watch. Watch. God is love. Because God is love, God first loved us by sending his son for us so that his son might be the propitiation, the satisfying of the wrath of God so that we might live through him and become his sons. And because we are his sons, what has he done? He's poured himself into us. Watch. God is love. Because he's love, he first loved us. Because he first loved us, he sent his son to be the propitiation for us so that we might become sons of God. Because we are sons of God, then he has poured his spirit into us. And what is the evidence of the spirit of God in us? And the fruit of the Spirit is love. If you're tracking with me, if you're tracking with me, you're putting this together. Love because? Well, we love because God is love and God first loved us. But ultimately, ultimately, we love because why? Because he who is love and first loved is in us. That's so dramatically different than how I and why I thought I was supposed to love for so long. Why, why should I love? Well, because love's good. Love's nice. Love helps. Love serves. The world's better when we love. We think we love for all those reasons. Folks, that's not why. Ultimately, here's why. We love because God is love and first loved us and the one who is love is in us. What's the evidence that he's in us? The fruit of the Spirit is love. That's why, that's why the scripture says very, very clearly, he who loves is born of God. He who does not love doesn't know God. The evidence that you don't know God is that you don't, you don't love. Because if you knew God, you were son of God, then God would dwell within you. And if God would dwell in you, then you'd love. Not perfectly yet, but you'd be growing in love. You see, loving others doesn't earn relationship with God. It can't. Only Jesus can purchase relationship with God for us. We cannot earn it. We don't go, well, God's love, and so I should be more loving. That's what people think. 
You're going to go to heaven? Well, I hope so. Why? Well, I haven't killed anybody because that'd be the ultimate non-love move. We think, well, I'd be more loving then I'll be like God and then God would let me into heaven. No. (laughs) I can only be made right with God when I trust in the one who became the satisfaction of the wrath that I deserved. Trusting in Jesus, the propitiation for my sin. Loving others doesn't earn. Loving others is the evidence of relationship with God. Loving others is the evidence of relationship with God. So, what was the summary of last week? Put this all together. The summary of last week is love is the greatest above all, beyond all, most excellent way. That was last week. Here's this week. Summary, this week. Love is this, greatest above all, beyond all, most excellent way, evidence that the God who is love is in me. Don't get lost in all the words. When it comes down to it, love because the one who is love is what? In me. In me. So is he in you? That's the first question. Is he in you? In other words, have you trusted in Jesus to be the propitiation for your sin? Have you trusted in Jesus as your peace child so that you might be made one with God, a son of God? If you have, he has poured his spirit in you. Do you know that God lives in you? You go, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Folks, (laughs) if there's any truth that we just run past to our great detriment. It's the reality that the Spirit of God dwells within us and we live and love as the greatest, above all, beyond all, most excellent way because that's who He is in us. And anything less than love is inconsistent with now who I am as a child of God. Did you hear that? Anything less than love in my home, anything less than love on my street, anything less than love at work, anything less than love in any area of my life, anything less than love is inconsistent now with who I am as a child of God because he who is love lives in me. Is there evidence that Christ lives in you? Do people at work go, wow, there's something different? Man, there ought to be something radically different about us. Not because we're trying to be better people. Radically different because of who we are. The people on our street would go, that guy down the street, that couple down the street, there's something different about them. And what's the difference? God is in them. And the fruit of God in them is that they love radically different. Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what credit's that? You don't need God in you to do that. Everybody does that. If you do good to those who do good to you, no credit in that. 
You don't need God in you to do that. Everybody does that. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. That's just life, folks. That's business. What's it look like when God lives in us? (laughs) Ah, you love your enemies. And you do good and land expecting nothing in return. Who does that? And read the text. Who does that? Read it for yourself. Who does that? God does. That's who does that. God does. So why would that be now how we love? I'm losing my voice. Don't make me say it again. (laughs) Because he's in us. It's not trying to be better people. There's radically transformed lives, folks, when we really get a hold of the fact that when I go back to school, God's in me. When I go to work tomorrow, God's in me. When I go home today, God is in me. So I don't look like everybody else. I don't act like everybody else. I don't relate like everybody else. God's in me. And what he does is what I do. I can say I'm trying to earn my way back to him because that's who he is. He's in me. And so let me give us some moments to examine is the fruit of the spirit of love being demonstrated. Guys are gonna come and just like we did last week, we're gonna remember the greatest expression of the love of God for us in the sending of his son and him paying the penalty for our sin. And as these guys pass the elements, the cracker, the symbol of the reminder of the the body of Christ broken on our behalf. The cup, you can put your stuff away, that's fine. The, The cup, the reminder of the blood of Christ by which our sin has been forgiven. This is the reminder God demonstrated his love for us. We take it in the time to examine is he who is love in us being expressed through us. Would you take some quiet moments even before you get your elements? Just bow your heads. Take some quiet moments to examine this love expressed.
reminders, the bread and the cup, are the reminders that Jesus is the propitiation, the peace child, satisfy the wrath of God. And when we take them, we're remembering that he has not only paid the penalty for our sins that we might become sons, when we take them, we're remembering that because we're sons, his spirit into our hearts. Let's take in gratitude for the love of God. Father, thank you. Thank you for your great love, the riches of your mercy for pouring your spirit into our hearts that we might be being perfected in love by him. We rejoice in you and in your love in Christ. Let's stand together and let's declare in song how God has loved us.
Does Christ live in you? What would be the greatest evidence of it? That you would love because he who is love is in you. So as we go from here, let's love one another at home, courtyard, at school, work, on the street. Because he who is love lives in us. We invite you. We can pray with you again out my left, your right here in south, straight out the doors in north. We'd love to pray with you. Or you can enjoy a cup of Mexican hot chocolate in the courtyard in the call. God loves you. God bless.